I've just had two dippy eggs. It's been marvellous. <laughs> How does that help me? Oh, that's not necessarily helping you. It's just I thought I'd share. You know. <laughs> I'm just kind I'm of... a bit crazy. It's because I've had two dippy eggs I've this had, morning. I've had two dippy eggs and I've just made a cup of tea and I'm now sitting in... I'm, I've changed the chair I sit in to record this podcast. Um, right, well, we could talk... Don't save this gold for oh, the it's show, gold, Dad. Simon. It's gold. Right, here we go. <clears throat> Hello, I'm Dan. I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? Dan, this week I'm delighted to say that we are talking about Hermine Hazelbook. Wow. I know, what a name. What a name. Hermine Hazelbook, born the 7th of March 1967 in Melk, Lower Austria, is an Austrian mezzo-soprano in opera concert and lead wow milk you say uh milk oh he needs some milk yeah well oh, sorry this should be more like because... oh he needs some milk <laughs> um uh part of the cathedral lot down here um one particularly drunken evening we we did invent a new a new kind of quite niche uh foreign cheese called melg m e l g and now that you've mentioned milk, milk is clearly where milk comes from. So I'm, I'll have to, re- I'll have to report what this the, news. What were the characteristics of of was it melg? Am I saying milk. that right? Yeah. What 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 kind of cheese was it? If memory serves correctly, I think it was quite a strong, um, soft cheese. It it may have some kind of waxen rind. Um, right. Uh. But we say a bit was... like an edam, but softer, softer than an edam, right? It might be closer to something like epoise or something. Welcome to the Wikicast, um, everyone. Which is a spectacularly strong, soft cheese that I had only last night with the cheese board after dinner, which was very good. Yeah, you described yourself as being uh, cheese. Uh, what was it? Cheese drunk? I'm in a. I think I said. I think I was in a cheesy stupor. Cheesy stupor. Uh, also, yes. that's uh, Dan and I's new uh, band that does exclusively yes. covers of '90s pop songs. It's gonna be. It's gonna be huge. Welcome to the stage, cheesy stupor. Throwing crackers on the stage, throwing sli- yeah. little slices of apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very middle class. Just it's frisbeeing, like frisbeeing, <laughs> frisbeeing lunchables onto the stage. <laughs> little ham discs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going for like the the cheese board we had at the Rijksmuseum that one time. Our most oh, middle class moment. Yeah, but yeah. I think we're going for the more primary school l- l- yeah. <laughs> lunchables and Dairyly Dunkers. How marvelous! And a club. I swear. At the, I mean, everybody. I had like the their primary school, um, you know, like lunch composition, and for me, yeah. a club was a key part of that. Specifically, orange clubs, mint. If we're feeling a bit fruity, yeah. Uh, I had a friend who was all about the wagon wheels. I think I think we had penguins. Oh, I a penguin! Never, I could never stand a wagon wheel. Not me neither. They had marshmallow in, didn't they? Yeah, marshmallow and a weird jammy jam to them, <laughs> um, which just didn't do it for me. That and like cheese and marmite sandwiches. That was my go-to. Cheese and cucumber for me. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't see the point cucumber. in cucumber. Cucumber is basically oh, it's just heavenly. it's water in vegetable form. It's just solid water, but not cold like ice. When we had um, like, like ice, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> um, uh, when when we had all that heat, uh, two summer two, as other ago, people call it. 
that's the one. That's it. Yeah. Um, I I regularly keep keep a cucumber in the fridge for sandwich purposes, but I re- I discovered that actually if I was just sitting listening to a Twitch thing or a podcast or whatever, I'd I'd recline on the sofa and cut myself some discs and just place them delicately on my eyes, and, and <laughs> have a have a little kind of just a little moment to myself. Would you ever just like crunch down on the cucumber like it was like a carrot or something like you were Bugs Bunny? I think I have done that in my life. I don't think I'd make it a kind of a regular treat. Um, that was for some reason. I remember when I was in sixth form and the Wii. I just got a Wii for the first time. It was a big moment, and I remember playing Wii Golf. And I made a real thing of playing Wii Golf and eating raw carrots, just like Bugs Bunny, <laughs> like just chomping wow. down and, and, and hit a swing and be like, "Four, oh, that's a good one, Simon." <laughs> <laughs> Oh look at that! Kind of to, oh, yeah. <laughs> the image, the image I'm getting is that you're kind of like trying to be quite a classy golfer, but rather than having a cigar in the other hand, it's just a whole carrot. Yeah, pretty much. Amazing. <laughs> oh, but sorry, we're meant to talk about Wikipedia. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Um, this is uh, pretty much par for the course, you might say. Uh, oh, for this very podcast. good. Right. Oh God, I've just realised that I'm going to have to mangle a lot of German pronunciation in this oh, I article can't wait. i can't wait if i perhaps if i mask it all in a germanic obviously she's austrian accent it won't be quite so bad i think if yeah if you do that you're definitely not going to offend anyone yeah okay um brilliant after graduating from stiftsmuk gym oh f- me wow <laughs> Yes, after please. graduating and just from, once more after graduating from Stift Gymnasium Melk Hazelbuck studied with Vita Streich at the Vienna Music Academy and continued at the Hochschule für Musik Detmold with Ingeborg Rus these are made up names there's no way yeah <laughs> it, it sounds like you're reading like Warhammer lore it does appear not like yeah. Austrian musicians finishing with diplomas for both performing and vocal education and praising Sigma she received further vocal training by oh Jesus Christ <laughs> no no uh, okay right um she received verbal vocal training by Brigitte Fassbender, Sina Zulinak, Mariana Libovsek, Krista Ludwig, and Eva Randova, and took master classes mit Kurt Equiluth. Why did I go half Spanish at the end? Kurt Equiluth, Kurt Widmer, and Edith Selig Pape. God, that was a lot. We've that now lost that was, all that was a Germanic thing that listeners. Happened. Incredible. I might actually have to put Bavarian music underneath that. Yeah, you need some kind of like tame umpa band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the you know benign side of Bavaria, not the like yes. you know militant world domination side of it, but the oh look at me in the Alps and, and, and my lederhosen side of yeah. uh, side of <laughs> Austria. A bit of, a bit, of um, a bit of sound of music. Uh, yes, which I've never seen. Stuff. I've still never seen the sound of music. Have you not? No. It's oh, a real gap in my film education. Tell you what, bit though. Of a classic. So, speaking of classics that are a gap in education, uh, Rez, our boy Rez, has he been playing some? Uh, well, actually, not been playing some World of Warcraft. You, yes. you couldn't make it the other day, um, no. which he was telling me about over uh, uh, Rocket League. Um, basically, he had never seen a Star War. He'd never seen any of them. Much like Pixel Girl, still hasn't. And he watched it the other day and did like a live commentary on the Discord. 
And he was like, this is not what I expected Darth Vader to sound like. Yeah. And we were like, he was like, I don't know what I expected him to sound like, but based on his breathing, not like that was his message. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not quite sure what, I, I'd be really curious to know what people who haven't seen Star Wars, have never heard him speak, what do they think Darth Vader sounds like? Like, I can't imagine it any other way than no. James L. Jones, you know, in the hospital ventilator. Perhaps the breathing made people assume that he was going to have some like quite high, quavery, wheezy, asthmatic voice. <laughs> or kind of like kind of like the voice that the, the default voice that you get in the simpsons of the per, of the teenager who works in a fast food restaurant uh, that kind mr of voice. johnson it happened yeah, again yeah. yeah exactly like oh boy yes do, Rez, let us know what you thought darth vader was meant to sound like but also he's saying he's halfway through he doesn't understand what's going on uh leia is a badass where do they find the people to be stores oh he actually called them star troopers star troopers they're dumb as shit <laughs> Yeah. I mean he's not wrong he's not wrong he's not wrong I mean I, I really I'm, I can't wait to watch um, uh, the Star War with Pixel Girl for the first time uh, She's she's got an experience to look forward to and I'm just are you gonna going be... to watch them in chronological order no we're going to do the, the correct order which I think was Peter Robinson's invention which was 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 6 7, 8 and then you don't watch 9 yeah brilliant uh, well, actually, to be fair, you could, I don't know. Where would you insert Rogue One? Do you insert Rogue One before? Th- no, after the prequels, but before Episode Seven, I guess. I'd insert it into a DVD player and nowhere else. I think, otherwise, <laughs> you'd probably get into a world of trouble and pain. Yes, um, that's, a, that's a Sarah, a sexual activity-related accident. Can you insert it? I think between s- six and seven, because I mean, really, it's Episode Three Point Five. But if you're not going to go one, two, three, four. It doesn't make sense to put it between them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's an odd one. I feel like we need, always need our viewers' uh, input on this one because we just don't have any clue what we're talking about, frankly. Indeed. Readers, write in. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Please. P- please. We need... this. Please. this, this there's an absolute dearth of content in this podcast, as you can probably tell at this point. Like, uh, I don't know if you saw yes. this, but th- there was a, um, um, a conversation on the Discord, on the Wikicast channel, that people were trying to nominate us for a podcasting award. And really? my response was just, why? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like... I mean, that would be the icing on the cake. I, I don't understand why on earth, what what we could possibly win. Other than, I mean, you know? Well, have you have you looked at the categories? Perhaps there is one that is so... It's just it, crying out for a Wikicast win. It's the listener's choice, I think. Oh. Also, by us... I mean, by us talking about this in the, in the episode, we're not... Absolutely not condoning putting the Wikicast up for any awards whatsoever. I think for, for for hilarity's sake, I am absolutely condoning it. Can we? Can you imagine if we? Can you imagine up? even if we even if we make it into like a top five, and we're up we're up against maybe serious podcasts that actually have a point, yeah. and then there's us just kind of. <laughs> it, it's know. like the award show thing. It cuts to the different nominees in the crowd. It's like this is the Wikicast's yeah. first nomination, and it's just us two in like uh like tuxedos, <laughs> crossed fingers. Like, come on, yeah. we're really hoping <laughs> for this. And now it's we cut to uh, the BBC's podcast about the Apollo program. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is the thing. The we would be at the end of we'd be at the end of this nomination reel, and it cuts to us in tuxedos, but we're just finger painting at the table. Yeah. Like, we're just <laughs> so out of our depth. <laughs> And I'm showing you a card I've made out of macaroni. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of applauding really sarcastically. <laughs> oh, perfect. Make it happen. Come on, make it happen. Oh, God, that would be hilarious. 
the least deserving award ever. Um, right. Okay. Uh, so let's get back to the point of the podcast, ostensibly, um, yes. which is this Austrian singer, Hermine Hazelbuck. Um Basically, she sings opera. Con- she, apparently, she sings opera, concert, and lead. I'm not entirely sure what what they mean by concert. It, surely that's just you're performing leader or opera or arias from sacred works in a concert. That's not a genre on its own. I mean, you're the professional singer here. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think this is slightly this is slightly above me. Well, I mean, the, this is the thing. I, I feel like a lot of people who don't, who have never sung or don't, haven't, you know, like sung uh, in a professional context. Uh, well, I was a professional singer, I suppose, in the sense that I was paid to do it. Um, they don't understand there's like a hierarchy of how difficult different kinds of singing are. And at least as far as I'm concerned, opera is at the very top of how difficult um mm. The bo- both the material and the performances because I think the yes. thing about I would also put cathedral singers up at the top in terms of the, the difficulty of performance just because you do it every day you know mm. it's and, and that's um, so when you're a concert singer if you sing sacred stuff in, in or concert materials or if you're a pop singer or whatever um, there may be times when you do performances back to back if you're touring for example um, but it's just not the same experience as singing your your bollocks off every day in a cathedral at potentially really difficult music. It's comparable, I suppose, too, to to um, people like Carrie Hope Fletcher and doing West End shows. Yeah, West End, exactly the same. Yeah, That's I, crazy, you know, because a, a West End run not only goes on for ages, but you're looking at like eight shows a week. Yeah. Which, which is, is just insane. I think the di- I think the difference there is is um, the music itself. I think that obviously it depends if you're a principal in a West End show. That's outrageously hard. Um, yeah. But certainly if you're a chorus or if you're a supporting character, it's not as difficult really. But you do obviously have to do things like act and you have to dance and that kind of stuff. But when it comes to cathedral stuff, you are almost invariably singing at close to the limit close to the peak of what you can do because the music will Mm. be difficult and you'll be learning new music all the time you know Mm. that's what makes it difficult so with with the utmost respect to you and to all the stuff that i used to do um i I just think opera is that step above because Mm. like a west end run you have these insane performance demands and doing it uh, every day um but the music is so much harder and you have to project so much more the actual the the, the technicality of of the music you know, the, the 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 technique required to sing that music in a way that is required for an operatic performance is unbelievably demanding i could never yeah, for do sure. it um I, have you sung much stuff from opera i know you've done a little bit but not much I've done little bits in in like lessons where I've learnt pieces from opera and sung those, and I mean it's I don't I don't dislike it, but it certainly doesn't thrill me like singing this. I'm currently my my lockdown learn at the moment is this Dies Natalis piece, which is for solo tenor by Gerald Finzi, and mm. I'd much rather th- sing a work like that, and I think. It's it comes down to me trying to find music that I I enjoy singing and music that suits my voice. So you know, a big, loud, kind of twang, twangy operatic tenor, you know, Pavarotti esque, let's say, hmm. doesn't really 
fill me with with great excitement and joy. However, I really love listening to someone like Ian Bostridge, who's got yes. quite a unique voice. Um, but he does he does kind of quite high but gentle crooning tenor really well. I think anyway, I, I enjoy it, and that's the kind of music I like to sing. I, I'd much rather sing something that that an audience has to like hang up on your every word rather than you're trying to blow them off the chair with the sound of your voice, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I used to think that I didn't like, because, you know, for context, my mum is an amateur opera singer. Um, mm. Although she stepped back a bit now, but she's done it for like, God, 40 odd years. Um, yeah. So I grew up w- listening to it and I used to think I didn't like opera. And I realized when I started singing that actually I do. What I don't like is, unnecessary amounts of vibrato which is just something that a lot of it's a style it's a style of singing opera that is just so over the top to me i can't i just can't enjoy it um Mm. and i think that's why i prefer anglican music and uh and leader and 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 that kind of thing because you're you're just removing that layer of fuzz from the top of it Mm. you know Mm. but i mean but from uh, to ask you as a singer um from your perspective, what is there that's technically different about op- singing opera and the way that you're supposed to sing compared to singing, for example, in you know Anglican music in a cathedral? I noticed that when doing operatic work in, in lessons and things, there is such an incredible emphasis on the, um, the anatomical side of singing and preparing mm. everything and really thinking about every kind of like every kind of muscle that's involved in singing from your from your waist to the top of your head and really making sure everything's kind of lined up and it's incredibly kind of it's almost it's not you could almost use the word formulaic and you that kind of goes through your mind and it reaches a point when you do it regularly enough that all of those things that you're consciously thinking about become second nature whereas mm. i think certainly for me i enjoy singing um sacred music or even secular music that we might be singing in concert in a cathedral um because usually and this obviously varies with difficulty and how the line is written for a tenor you know if it's if it's very very high and regardless of volume you need to you need to put so much more thought into how you're singing it because you can't just not think about anything and not support anything and not prepare anything because it will sound dreadful or it'll go wrong um, but usually it's more of a kind of like an emotional response to the music that dictates the singing of it rather than you thinking about, you know, you're almost disconnecting yourself from the meaning of the text and thinking, right, okay, I need to think about, you know, have I, you know, is my breath good? Are my are my legs far enough apart? Do I, does my back feel open? Have I kind of like, they talk a lot about imagining your, imagining the back of your head was a letterbox and you've got to take that opening of the letterbox and open it out and that's that's akin to raising the soft palate ah, or, or creating space in the head so so the so the sound is more kind of resonant especially when you're when you're going higher up in um in in a tenor voice and the other thing that was was mental to me but i'm i'm starting to really understand now is this idea of nasal block so um you use this as a as a certainly as a tenor all the time when you when you reach a certain note in a scale um anything around a kind of i don't know an f sharp onwards hmm. you suddenly start it sounds like you you start singing everything through through your face not through your mouth yeah so you i know what kind you mean of close off your nose and 
and it allows you you almost stop making vowel sounds in your throat it's it's it's, it's quite complicated to explain but it was an amazing thing because it suddenly it, it adds it can add like four or five notes to the top end of your um to your range yeah which was crazy because i i mean I, I remember doing one of my first lessons and doing some warm-ups and things and, and we were getting pretty high up there and i kind of pride myself on having pretty good like reference pitch um it's by no means perfect but it's it's pretty good um, i mean and, and just to just to clarify something when you're mm. saying all this stuff about support physically supporting the sound that's mm. is that basically just to ensure the volume because operatic stuff is it, you need to sing incredibly loud yeah yeah so you, you use your body in opera to 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 make your sound louder that's true but i think it's it's also the quality of the sound and how whether mm. whether the sound imagine you could if you were thinking of the sound you make as a, a a coloring in book if you don't think about it at all you've just bought this book and there are black lines and white spaces on the page and you can see there's an image there but it's pretty 2d you know it's just it, it's it, it there's no there's no color let's say and then the more support and consideration you put in you might start to be adding maybe grayscale um, shading to that image and then you might be adding actually some splashes of color to parts of that image and then you might actually be adding like secondary shading to the color that was and it's you're kind of building up like a like a, a kind of the composition of a painting so being able to see kind of the palette knife markings on a, on a canvas and you can see mm. the kind of texture and depth of the of the image i think that's really what really good technique and classical technique does it it, it allows you to to color in your your music a lot more it's like listening to sondheim sondheim's music's incredibly colorful hmm. um and he picks typically picks performers that's why he fell in love with meryl streep and she did loads of work with sondheim because he loves the um the, the kind of the quality of her voice and she's done a lot of that. singing through her acting career and she would have had lessons um so it's yeah i think thinking thinking about music as a three-dimensional thing as opposed to just something more linear you know there we go this is the music cast now this is this is what happens when we, when we pass it over to dad i mean we're meant to be talking about this singer but that was me basically trying to say this is hard <laughs> like there's a reason why like opera it was so esteemed obviously it's less so now and why these people have to train for so long because it's not as easy as just opening your mouth and making a noise um mm. And I something that I th I've only can only understand how my mum thinks about it and how because remember when I was a kid she used to say that she just found a lot of modern music just so boring, um, mm. and I think part of that is frankly it is basically four chords uh, it is mm. less musically interesting but also the actual performance of it is so bland compared to this kind of thing compared to opera stuff um yeah. and, and I, I imagine that a lot of people at home are probably listening to this and thinking that we're just a bunch of upper class twats because they may have only ever had this image of um you know like wagnerian like women with like horned helmets and yes, yeah. belting with like huge amounts of vibrato and it's not that's only one small part of what opera is um mm. there's a lot of good stuff out there um but also what's kind of funny is just thinking back to what my mum used to say. She used to say that, you know, like it is all this stuff's boring, but she absolutely adores some modern performers like mm. um, Ella Fitzgerald is one of her favorite singers, um, mm. which I completely agree with. 
um, because when you listen to her, you can. She had an w- incredible warmth to her voice. She had, well, she had a lot of color to her voice. You know, like yeah. that that three dimensionality you're talking about. As does someone like Adele, I think. Um, yeah. Or I, I, the, the person that, I'm, that I immediately thought of was someone like Louis Capaldi, actually, mm, because yeah. his his music is really is really <clears throat> very soulful, and I think absolutely if if, if we're thinking again in 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 kind of three dimensions especially when considering the voice or comparing someone's voice say a kind of um a slightly more um lowest common denominator pop artist might their voice might resemble a satellite image that you look up on google maps but then if you compare someone who who like i would say lewis capaldi it's like it's like feeling a topographical map of something you can there's, yeah. there's, there's levels and bumps and and valleys and and things and that's that's so exciting and it and that's probably why um so many people engage with older music because at that time you could only you could only give as much color as your voice could give you you know th- th- this this whole idea of really heavily editing the sound and and layering eq over eq um mm. just just didn't really happen not for a long time um i mean the, interesting. the the voice that stands out to me and the voice that the more i sang and the more i learn about singing terrifies me more and more is freddie mercury oh um, yeah when you listen to his, because there are videos online of his like raw vocals before they'd had anything to that have gone into songs, but you hear them without any of the processing or anything. It's terrifying mm. because he does all of this and then just ramps up to another level because yeah. he, he was so distinctive in his voice and also his range was so immense. You know, he, yeah. I, I don't think there has been another singer that I can think of like him. No, there's a really fascinating video on youtube that talks about what makes his voice so distinct and you mentioned vibrato which is Mm. is is a is a kind of a natural thing the voice will do when 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 kind of everything is this again this idea of making thinking about the anatomy of the voice um when when everything kind of is aligned and in the right place a natural vibrato will happen to the sound the sound will shake slightly um and i think that can be really pleasant and and when kind of tastefully kind of controlled it's a beautiful thing but interestingly mm. freddie mercury's voice he um if you were to measure the vibrato on in terms of kind of like wavelengths his his voice um waves and kind of shimmers much much faster than a typical yeah. human vibrato which is what gives his voice such a kind of a really cutting um it's a shimmering sound kind of sound yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's really incredible. Right. You know what? I just realized, Dan. We, why are we not in Dan's Coral Piece of the Week? We should just be talking about this there. I got it, yeah. And this will be my Piece of the Week. Drum roll, please. So my choral piece of the week, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be diving back into what I've done in previous episodes where it's not it's not a specific piece, but rather um, a collected kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's quite different. And I've and so far I've only listened to, I would say, probably the first um, the first half of this this kind of collection. Um, but it's it's by Poulenc. Mm hmm. And it comes on recommendation of uh, Joe Reed. Oh, big fan already. Big, big fan. Big fan. Stellar 
stellar chap and um, absolutely fabulous taste in um, music. I'm meant to be Zooming him next week, which will be lovely because I haven't spoken to him in ages. For those, mm. for, for readers who, who don't know, Joe um, Joe was a student at the University of Exeter when Simon and I were there and he also sang, um, he was a fantastic bass in the... Yeah, he, he appeared in a couple of vlogs. I think the uh, episode where we featured the Allegri Miserere semi-chorus, he's the bass in that, if you want a visual yeah. reference. But he, we were, we were chatting the other day and... We were we were talking actually. He he messaged me saying how much he enjoyed the Arnold Bax piece. I wanted to tell. Yeah, I listened to that this week, and it's it is quite phenomenal actually. Never heard anything quite like it. And a few days later, he said, "I don't know whether you've come across this old man, but I highly recommend you have a listen." Um, It's by Poulenc, and it's his uh, cantata, the double mixed choir, and it's called Figure Humaine, um, Human Figure. Uh, right. And it was written during the Nazi occupation of France, premiered in London in 1945, um, uh, and it's terrifying. As I say, I've listened. I, th- I would say I've listened to the kind of the first half, um, and I'll probably be listening to the rest later today. Hmm. Um, but it's really, it's 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 really haunting. I think um, uh, it says here, I've just pulled up the Wikipedia page for it. They, um, the poems of the cantata among them are un- among the most famous by um, Paul Eluard, um, who's a French poet and one of the founders of the surrealist movement. Um, but he says they express the suffering of the people of France reduced to silence and hope of the final triumph and freedom over tyranny. Um, but it's really seriously powerful stuff. And I'm quite, I think most certainly most singers have a bit of a love hate relationship with Poulenc because it's <laughs> he writes really sickeningly hard stuff to yeah. sing. Um but it's amazing and really different and Joe was absolutely right that I would like it and it's a brilliant recommendation. So I thought uh, I would share his recommendation with the readership because it really is superb. So I that's giving me vibes of um the quartet for the end of oh god is it the quartet for the end of the world quartet for the end of time the um Oh god, this is where I am going to have to butcher the pronunciation probably. Uh yeah, Quartet for the End of Time um by Messiaen. Mm. Uh which which was the one that was written and premiered in a prison camp. I don't know if it was actually a concentration camp or if it was just a prison camp. Um mm. yeah, prisoner of war camp. That was it. Stalag 8A. Um which is similarly um the final movement is probably the most haunting piece of classical music you'll ever hear. Uh mm. It's famous for a reason, but yeah. So, okay, right. No, because uh, I, I love this piece. I love the sense of melancholy you get from it. So I will have to check it out. What normally happens is when I'm editing the show, I'll like pull all of it together and then write down as I'm going, like what notes I want to include in the description. And when I get to the piece of the week, it's like, right. And then when I finish, we'll put that on. Um, <laughs> so I, I look forward to future Simon. I hope you have a good time listening to that. Good recommendation, Dan and Joe. So I wanted to take a brief dip into Critics Corner, Dan. Um, sure. I have I had two things I wanted to briefly touch on because I really, we've been going for quite a while. We talked about opera for quite a while, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but two things I briefly wanted to mention. Firstly, um, I have an update on the Simon and Pixel Girl Depressing Film Club. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but I finally got my way, and we finally watched The Breakfast Club. Um, now, have you have you seen it? No, I haven't. Right, you should. Um, it, it, it's very good. 
uh, it's very 80s um, yeah. and it's uh, it's got a, a bunch of interesting themes to do with uh, parents and following in the footsteps of your parents and stereotypes and misconceptions and all these kind of things. Uh, and it's fundamentally a, a well-made, funny, um, 80s coming of age kind of film all like a bottle episode all taking place in one library um and I, there was a moment though in the middle of it where i thought that <laughs> we it was gonna go down exactly the same depressing path <laughs> that we'd seen for the previous two weeks um for those of you who have seen the film there's the thing with the flare gun um and i was just like oh god no don't don't let this happen uh but fortunately you know it pulled out of that nosedive uh and it was a very enjoyable watch so you should watch it it's good it's on uh netflix and uh, would recommend the other thing oh actually follow up follow up from last week I don't know if we have any correspondence on it though let me just check I don't want to ruin correspondence corner mm. no I think we're good okay so uh, Danvi uh, amongst other people including my friend Claire who listens to the show um, sent uh, me uh, the reason why we couldn't place the Dave Matthews band oh yes so apparently it, it forms part of the plot of an episode of Community. Yeah. Uh, which apparently I expressed later in the episode because I described something as being like a wrinkle in my brain, which is a line that Troy says. So for those of you uh, who've also been frustrated at why we couldn't place it, and perhaps you can place it, it's from Community. That's, yeah. that, that's where it's from. Anyway, um, yeah. <clears throat> the other thing that I wanted to bring up was I, I have a new favourite form of exercise that I have taken up. Uh, and it's perfect Ooh. for lockdown and you may laugh but uh it's skipping oh yeah so i bought a a jump rope i tell you, i'm actually interested to see how much i paid for it because i've gotten so much value out of this thing um i bought like the amazon recommended skipping rope basically does um, it have nice pink and purple tassels on the handles it, it's bright green uh, on the Ooh. tassels uh how wow. much was it it was okay it was 13 pounds so it was it was quite expensive but it's like good quality one um yeah. and what i've been doing is i've been converting our we have a a car hole uh underneath our house uh to call yes. it a garage is somewhat uh overstating it um wishful thinking and and what i've been doing is going in there and doing um hit so high intensity interval training of skipping 30 seconds uh and then having a 30 second rest and repeating that for 20 minutes and then alternating feet um uh so 30 seconds but jumping from foot to foot and then doing uh, like a set of um skipping followed by burpees followed by jumping jacks that kind of thing um and it's for something that's so simple you're literally just mm. jumping over a rope over and over again it's yeah. surprisingly addictive and fun because there is actually a technical challenge to it and you have to keep on your toes, quite literally. Yeah. Um, or you end up hurting yourself on your legs. Um, yeah. If anybody is struggling for a fitness recommendation in lockdown, I highly recommend getting yourself a skipping rope and just doing intervals. Um, but it's been quite fun because it's in the car hole. I, I've been able to do my 30 seconds of exercise and then I have 30 seconds to try and tidy because it was a state when I started. But like in 30 yeah. second increments, I've been dusting, hoovering, um, organizing boxes, uh, assembling a table that I can put like my uh, timer or my phone on and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and, and it's looking quite nice now. I've got a poster up. I'm going to put a couple of other posters up probably. It's, I have so a man cave. A bit of a, yeah, telling us a bit of a man cave is what I was going to say. But it's it's really nice. It's And it's nice because I did it. Originally, I was skipping out in the garden, but I 
felt a bit weird about the neighbours being able to see me doing an activity that normally is done by six-year-old girls. So yeah. well, by skipping in the in the car hole and not in the garden, you can reserve garden activities for tiptoeing through tulips and <laughs> be, be all right. Yeah, quite. Um, so yeah, so I just I, that's but that's but if I'm being if I'm being a critic, I would say that my new favourite form of exercise is the humble. I think Americans call it a jump rope rather than a skipping rope. Yeah. But yeah, yeah if, if for those of you who get perhaps like me, you know, getting a little bit frustrated by not being physically active during lockdown give it a go you don't need very much space you don't need very much money you don't even need trainers to do it though i would recommend wearing shoes because otherwise it f***ing hurts your feet when you hit yourself yeah, um, but have you been doing much exercise in lockdown i've been doing i've been doing lots of walking i've been mm. going on lots of walks we're quite lucky in in exeter that we there's so much green space not only in you know certainly on the campus at Exeter university mm. but um but also, you know, you can walk down to the river, and within walking for five minutes, you're 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 out in the countryside. Um, so that's amazing. I'm hoping when the weather starts to get better again, I'm going to try and get down to Exmouth a bit more, which is a really lovely um, beach, and it's right near. Um, it's it's directly on the train line where in the house that uh, Simon and I used to live in. Um, mm. So it's perfect, really, for getting down there. Um, but the walking I've really enjoyed, and I, I've been re-listening to all of the kind of the old back catalogue of in our time the radio oh yeah yeah which is fantastic really really good um so i've been enjoying that i've also i suppose i can talk about it in critics corner but it's not i'm not really critiquing it. it's more just me letting letting you and indeed the readers know that i'm now i've been watching something that i never thought i would watch in all you know i can't believe it's happening and I mm. still feel a bit dirty about it, but I am. Um, I've I've started watching Friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's it's weird. I mean, it's <laughs> it's something that I mean, I've I've known all through kind of growing up that Friends was a you know is a a cult classic and took everyone by storm and was massively successful. And there's about a million episodes every season. And I had friends at school who were who used to really really like Friends. Um, one friend of mine, um, her name was Rachel in uh, in Australia. She used to, she just kind of lived and breathed Friends, from what mm. I can remember. Anyway, I started watching it, and I suddenly realised I would have been about twelve episodes into the first season, and I was really starting just to kind of get the appeal of it. You mm. kind of, I was the thing that I don't like about so many American kind of sitcoms, I suppose, is the canned laughter element. I find that yeah. really quite hard to listen to. Yeah. Um, but it reaches a point where actually you just start to relate to the characters quite well and you do just feel like you're one of them sitting around, sitting on the sofa in Central Perk uh, Cafe, the, the coffee shop. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's not bad. And I'm, I think I'm in, I'm on season three, episode four now. And there's 10 seasons. Each episode has, each season has, I think about 20 or 22 episodes. Um, and I haven't got, frustrated with it yet that's, okay but um, that's high praise it's slightly alarming. <laughs> yeah yeah it's good i mean it's good i'm not saying it i'm not saying it's it's bad and i'm just doing it out of sheer boredom but i was just surprised because i never thought i would actually end up watching it it's not a show that appeals I, I, and i know that's going to anger a lot of people because i know it's like crack to some people and uh, look yeah. I'm, I'm already catching up on parks and rec okay guys i already caved to that one. i also caved and bought overwatch actually i don't know if that's something oh, yeah. we should be 
to talk about but yeah I've, captain reed and res convinced me to buy overwatch so i think that's gonna be my new addiction um have you, yeah. have you played any of it yet no i i feel i felt like it'd be quite fun for me to do it for the first time on stream um oh i'll need to tune in for that that will be funny so have you ever played it i think so i think i've played it i think i've played it once um and it was it was all right i mean as long as a, i mean as long as i can use a keyboard and mouse i can't play with a controller because i I, my brain doesn't work like that. First-person shooters aren't my aren't my bag, but mm. I think it's quite good. I mean, and of course, because Overwatch Two is coming out soonish, I think, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was released at BlizzCon um, this oh, year, I think, or right. last year, certainly. Oh well, perhaps now is a good time to get into it. Then I guess. Uh, mm, yeah. Ride that bandwagon. Okay. Right. Well, that was a bit of a. Where we did we come to a point then? I actually can't remember. Um. I mean, do do we need to come to a point? I think the, the by, by virtue of this podcast, I think we just kind of just rather than coming to an explicit point, we've just we're now in a different place, and that's okay. That's 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 all right. We can yeah. Let's just let's just go with the flow. Well, we're about to go over a waterfall, Dan, because we're about to make it rain. Oh god! In Patreon corner. Oh, the, here comes the waterfall. I, uh, oh, 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 <laughs> And after that vertiginous fall, uh, we find ourselves in Patreon Corner. This is... You guys know what Patreon is. You've been on the internet for longer than five minutes. It's a site where you can give us money, and in return, we make the funny podcast. Eventually. This is the 77th episode, and we'll eventually get there. We're trying. Yeah, yeah. in in our case, we just make a podcast. We make a podcast. (laughs) Just put money in get yeah. content out that's how this thing works Brilliant. okay and some that's people bit, and, and that's exactly why we deserve to be nominated at the upcoming podcast awards so please <laughs> <laughs> because we respect our, our readership so much um, well for some reason the following people have decided to give five dollars a month at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast uh, and declared their undying support for team cats which dan i may well be adopting well hopefully it's all but certain i am going to be adopting pixel and i's first cat next week and i will i'll probably almost exclusively talk about the cat next episode um so you've got that to look forward to team cat well, fans i don't you know full well i don't like them but i'm very excited and happy for you that a cat is joining your household it's like a small furry baby it's i'm, I'm so excited i've got a bed by my desk so that it can be with me at all times i will carry it around on this thing like a palanquin anyway um so thank you to the following people who so generously donate and keep the show in the air in all seriousness uh choco cat christopher betterton colm mansfield dan hanvey isabella strowski izzy christie jack easton john mannion kenneth kuzmirek Layla medina nafi iftikar oliver burkhart oliver craigie omar miranda princess andromeda rents cook river ward we just went over river ward simon p thomas hill tom withington trustworthy G- Ginger and William Humphreys. Superb. And I would like to say a massive thank you to those sensible folk who who have who have seen the truth, have been enlightened and realised that God, William Humphreys has got a, them dogs. He's got a really cool sorry to interrupt you, he's got a really cool Patreon like profile picture. A really oh, cool yeah. original art. Sorry, as you were, I just got distracted. Oh, that's alright, that's fine. Um so I'd like to say a massive thank you to Alistair Fortune. Uh, Alex, hashtag team dog, 
Ben McMurtry, Colin J. Brown, Eric Davis, Eric Bolliger, Eve Sharples, Jay Wright, Codzo, Lexi at front desk, that's never not going to be funny, um, Maggie, Peter Reed, and Samantha. Thank you very much to everybody who supports us on Patreon. We joke, but you do make the show possible. And after this recording session, Dan, I need to have a chat to you about a certain word that begins yes. with M. Yes. Milk. Men, isn't it? Men. Ah. That's okay. That's cool. Ah, men. <laughs> <laughs> Top lot. It's you. And it's that time again where we find ourselves in correspondence corner. And this week, Simon, we have something rather exciting. Oh, we have an email here from Cameron, and it is titled "The Podcast Trials." It reads as follows. Greeting, Messrs. Mark and Claw. <laughs> I, Cameron Steele, present to you today the very first of at least four chapters of The Podcast Trials, a choose-your-own-adventure series that will bring your love of tangents to new heights. What? It's Disclaimer, choices do not become <laughs> Choices do not become available until chapter two. This is good, so we're going to read the first chapter uh, this week, um, and uh, and we can get excited for that for that thrill. He goes on to say... Uh, further, you will be sent on a quest no less imposing or terrible than the challenging the challenge of screwing a bottle cap back on when it's slightly crooked and the screwy hinge things just don't want to line up properly. You will be challenged to prove yourselves knowledgeable in your favourite subjects and you will be called upon to demonstrate the strength of the bonds you've developed with the people you've met in your podcasting adventures thus far. Are you ready to embark on this perilous journey? Then oh read on, gentlemen. God. Read on. Right, hit me. I am... Um... I, I am so ready. Now, I'm thinking already about the. I'm, 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 you're going to have to choose a good soundtrack for this, okay? Okay. This podcast trials. So, base your music choice on the title of the first chapter. <laughs> the rather terrifically meandering exposition exhibition. blustering wind rubbed and rustled against the walls of Daniel Moore's modest home, squeezing an ominous draught into the room where Dan and Simon had decided to meet. Despite the chill, Dan found himself perspiring with trepidation at the seriousness of the meeting ahead. As he readied himself to speak, he mopped the sweat from his forehead with a small beach towel. <laughs> Superb. Well, Simon, Dan announced. Straightening up in the ch- straightening up in his chair, I'm thankful that you agreed to meet with me today. Simon mumbled a muffled response from his revolving computer chair as he stuffed his cheeks with recently purchased scones. <laughs> Dan felt that, despite Simon's apparent lack of attention and the speed at which his ch- he spun in his chair and the focused effort with which he watched The Simpsons on his phone, his friend was probably as concerned as himself about the matter at hand. How has this I'm person sure never met us, but has us down to a? F- Tea. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's scary, isn't it? I'm sure you're aware of the problem here. Simon looked up sheepishly and swallowed a sizable bite of his scone. Right, sorry, here you go. He, danded, he handed Dan the last of his present pastry. Is a Dan scone a pastry? Does it count as a pastry? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's a baked good. I don't think it would be classed as a pastry. Uh, carbs on, are serious we'll, business, everyone. We'll we'll uh, we'll do that line again. He handed down the last of his present baked good. Mm, thank you. 
Dan shook his head exasperatedly. No, you blubbering pig. I ate an entire <laughs> carrot for brunch. I'm fine. I'm talking about the Wikicast. Our livelihood is at stake. Do you know that? Simon scoffed at this. Then he scoffed again. Then he scoffed yet again, scoffing down, yes, yet another scone, before wiping his mouth daintily with a handkerchief, turning to Dan and scoffing in derision at Dan's remark. <laughs> the podcast is going great. It's bringing in thousands of dollars a day. I'm almost able to afford all the Warhammer figures I've been trying to buy. And with the money left over, I might be able to pay my gas bill or even buy my parents a Christmas present this year. Dan nodded. Yes, the money has been a great boon for me as well. If I'm ever going to become Archbishop of Canterbury, I'll need to keep funding the construction of my cathedral. But listen, Simon, everything is at risk. Some of the more dedicated fans have listened back to the episode where we talk about Pixel Girl. People are becoming suspicious that she isn't what she seems. Oh God. If they realise that it's just you in a wig modifying your voice by putting pressure on your testicles, our fan base will collapse and distrust from distrust. <laughs> How long can you keep up this act anyway? Simon sat up and looked at Dan with a heroic gleam in his eye. I've got balls of steel. Listen, regardless of your capacity to withstand torturing yourself, we need an influx of profits, and soon. When our female listeners realise that you're single, you'll be incapacitated for months. You'll be working day and night to fend off the lusty hordes craving the companionship of your statuesque bronzed body and the financial security of your incredible academic achievements. Like my PhD? Yes, like your PhD, Simon. When do we make a choice, Dan? (laughs) I'm sure that despite your skill at spending our podcast and Patreon money, I bought a horse. Yes, I'm sure you did. Look, we need to build up a nest egg in case everything falls apart on us and I think I know exactly how we're going to do it Simon was intrigued tell me then Dan wheeled his chair aside revealing a window on his MacBook labelled Apple Podcasts check this out he pointed to a little box of text in the bottom right of the screen it said Apple Podcasts present an exceptional opportunity prove your expertise on the topics discussed on your podcast and your show will be put to the top of the charts for three weeks Simon sat back in his chair grinning a finger pressed to the corner of his mouth in the style of the eponymous Dr. Evil by god the words oozed out slowly as he mulled over the idea we might just be crazy enough to work (laughs) Dan shot a sidelong glance at Simon and his mangled idiom (laughs) (laughs) we might just be crazy enough to work (laughs) Dan shot a sidelong glance at Simon and his mangled idiom that's exactly what we're trying not to do (laughs) so what say we get started Dan clicked on the text box and then he and Simon were gone the laptop slammed shut, a half-eaten scone fell to the floor, and the room was wrapped in fresh baked, baked good crust of silence. I had to change pastry to baked good then. <laughs> and that is Thank the you. end of chapter one. Oh my god. Where did we make a choice? So he did say he did, it was prefaced that choices don't happen until chapter two. So I think this was an exposition. I see. Um and then we go. But we've We've decided to take up Apple on their their opportunity to prove our expertise and and if we do well, our podcast will be put at the top of the charts for three weeks. And by agreeing, we have vanished. We don't know where, we don't know how, but we have gone. 
Oh, wow. God. Golly. I, I am Golly. excited for this. This is great. Was that Cameron who wrote that? Yeah, yeah. But Cameron, I await part two with eager eagerness. Exciting. I, very well. I mean, we're, we're actually kind of out of time, but that's the perfect way to finish off the podcast, Dan. Holy, holy cow. Holy cow. Blessed salmon. Holy mackerel. Amazing. All the, all the holy all the holy animals it's like somebody took a hole punch to a zoo i can't wait to hear what happens in this so simon what have we learned today i felt today tanya we learned about hermine hazelberg uh an austrian mezzo-soprano in opera concert and lead uh and then we basically ignored that uh and just talked about how difficult opera was (laughs) for Mm. quite some time pretty Um, much pretty much and um you know you talked about your experiences in singing lessons um and uh your choral piece of the week courtesy of joe reed we also discussed you were waxing lyrical about lyrical about the joys of uh, a skipping rope. Yes, indeed. I mentioned my alarming foray into the world of Friends. Um, that's the TV show, not just actually having friends, making companions. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be foolish enough to do that. Don't oh worry. gosh, no, de- definitely not. And then we finished off with a, a teaser, the the pilot episode of uh, a, a new choose your own adventure that we're going to star in, and I am incredibly excited but also somewhat nervous about what moral quandaries they're going to give us on this one this is going to be interesting this is the start of the podcast trials and it's going to be incredible oh god why do i get the impression it's going to end up more like the nuremberg trials than the podcast trials oh gosh and that's all for this week's episode don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice you can join the discord and if you'd like to see our faces check out our youtube channel spongy and electric thoughts on opera your favorite forms of exercise and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com we would love to hear from you join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole and And we'll we'll see see you you next time. time Right. Uh, and that's all for this week's episode don't forget to subscribe to us <laughs> sorry I can't <laughs> you, have do, you have to do that again because as I started you, you're just going duh <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, no it's fine I don't know what I thought I was helping by doing that <laughs> I was like, uh, do you want to carry on <laughs> yeah brilliant Really, really helping me get into, into the zone. <laughs> oh, golly. Okay. <clears throat> Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. Three, two, one. And we'll see you next uh... time. <laughs> hey, Dan. Uh... <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> It's your dad, Avi. <laughs> Welcome to the West Coast. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, bye. <laughs>